too much further here. I wanted to just make sure we gave one more opportunity uh, to the church. I'm looking around, and I don't know that this is going to apply to everybody. So, men, hang back for a minute for me here. Uh, let's see. Uh, t- uh, last Sunday, we collected quite uh, a wonderful offering toward repairing our buildings. And between the morning and evening service, we collected just under $20,000 um, in the range of 19000 19, 19, And uh, today I was told that we collected another 4000 for that. And so praise the Lord for that. Obviously, we need to get to 40000 to be able to really get all of the renovation work uh, done that we would like done. And uh, we did have some folks put some uh, cards in the plate uh, toward commitments. And I forgot this morning to ask if anyone had not received a commitment card for the next 12 months. Uh, I didn't do that this morning. And so I wanted to just ask if you. So here's what we asked you to do. We asked you to come ready to give as Lord uh, a purpose in your heart and that you would also make a 12 month commitment uh, to give either as available as the funds come in or a weekly, biweekly or monthly uh, request. And so there's a. Ticket type card we'd like to give you. You'll put the perforated edge in the offering and then um, you would keep the portion with your name on it for yourself. And so um, this was something we've been asking you to pray about for quite some time. Is there anybody here tonight that did not receive one of those commitment cards and would like to have one now? If, If that's your sake, if that's you, if you just hold your hand up, one of our ushers will make their way to you. And if you would um, fill that out and turn that back in before you leave this evening. And we, we have had the rest of what we need uh, to do the bare basic renovation committed. And so prayerfully, all of that will come in. Uh, but obviously, we can't do all of the repairs until the money is put in the plate. And so here's what I would ask of you. If you fill that out and turn it in, be prayerful about that and watch how the Lord begins to bless you with that money. And then give that money toward the renovation of the building, the building improvements. Every dime that is put in the plate toward building improvements will be spent in that way. We're, uh, our bookkeepers are very good with their own, and so Mrs. Rivera work uh, together on that along with me. And when money is given toward a specific cause, we're very careful to make sure that it is only spent on that. And so if you mark it for that, we'll make sure it gets spent on that. All right, one more thing before we get going tonight. If you need a outline, uh, fill-in-the-blank outline, if you just hold up your hands, our ushers are ready to, to give, give those out. Did anybody that wants one not get one? If so, just hold your hand up. Uh, one up here. Okay, another one up here. All right. Very good. Hosea 14, let's stand for the reading of God's Word this evening. Let's look at the first four verses there. The Bible says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you, take with you words and turn to the Lord, saying to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Asher or Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from them. I mentioned this this morning, but backsliding is a sickness that attacks all of us at times in our Christian life. It is something we need to be healed of, according to the Bible. And so the title of the message is this, Recovering from Backsliding. Recovering from Backsliding. You may be here tonight and have a backslidden heart. You may be here tonight and be on fire for God and you're anything but backslidden. If you're not backslidden now, there will come a time where you start that direction. And so uh, I would save this outline. I would remember this message, maybe even buy it or download it off the Internet and go back and listen to it. At least mark Hosea 14 in your Bible and go back and study it. But I hope tonight to help those who are battling with this or are uh, dealing with the sickness of backsliding that they 
can begin down a path of healing and recovery. Let's pray together. Lord, help us tonight to understand this sermon. Help me tonight, Lord, to preach with clarity of mind. And Lord, with your power from on high. And speak through me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you're a born-again Christian, you, my friend, have a battle on your hands that the lost don't have to fight. If you're a born-again Christian, you face a battle between your flesh and the spirit. And you fight that battle every day. Okay? Now, uh, every day, as a Christian, you handle this battle one of two ways. Either it is the spirit winning most of the time and the flesh only winning sometimes, or you have days where the flesh wins most of the time and the spirit only wins sometimes. If you're a Christian, I sure hope that the spirit wins at least Sometimes and you got to grow to a place where you yield to God's Holy Spirit and his uh, pushing in your life and he wins out more often than he does it. You say, well, pastor, I want to get to a place where the spirit wins against the flesh every time. And I say, amen, amen. That's where I want to be. But unfortunately, we're all going to have to wait till we get to heaven before we get are able to achieve that. I'd ask you this uh, question this evening. Which is it for you? Are you when are you a Christian where the spirit wins out more than the flesh does or the flesh wins out more than the spirit does? Matthew, come on up here for me. Matthew's going to help me this evening with an object illustration. Cameraman, you're going to need to zoom out and get the whole platform so uh, the, the people online can see this. Start back there by that wall for me. I have oftentimes described the Christian life. You can begin as two steps forward and one step backward, two steps forward. And one step backward. That's slow, steady, constant growth. I wish we could just sprint that way. That's not how it works, isn't it? We uh, we take two steps back forward, and then before you know it, boy, we give in to the flesh and we take a step backward. And then we take two steps forward, yielding the spirit, and then the flesh gets there and we take a step backwards. Some days, pause there, some days we have a day where we take two steps backwards and then we take one step forward. But hold your, hold your spot. But as long as the majority of our days are two steps forward and one step backward, then that is slow, steady, spiritual growth. Go ahead and finish out there to the wall. What is backsliding? Well, listen, I don't know how to make it any more practical than this. Backsliding is when you take two steps backwards. Turn around. There you go. Two steps backwards, big steps. Don't fall. And only one step forward. And then you develop a pattern of two steps backwards all the way to the other wall and one step forward. Keep going. Two backwards, one forward. <laughs> I got him confused. Just keep going two, two backwards and one forward until you get to that wall there. Two backwards and one forward. Two backwards and one forward. There you go. You're getting it. You can tell he's a good Christian. You see, he doesn't have this problem. All the way back. You know what? There have been plenty of times in my Christian life, this is what I look like. Two backwards and one forward. Two more backwards and one forward. Boy, I'd blow it all week long and I'd go to church and hear a sermon and the Holy Spirit would just punch me in the chest Maybe I'd be listening to the radio and something that was said would, would just punch me in the chest, Christian radio. Um, very good, Matthew. Thank you. You can be seated. Um, I, I have had plenty of times in my life where I would take that one step forward, but then the majority of my time would be two steps backwards, and then two steps backwards, and then two steps backwards. And you turn around one day and you say, how did I get where I am? You know what? Eventually... When you backslide, you just quit taking steps forward. And it's just you're just walking backwards. You're just moving backwards. Um, If you're saved and you're moving the wrong direction, then you're miserable. You're just flat out miserable. Backsliding begins inwardly. 
Nobody knows it but you. One day you get up and decide, I'm just not going to read my Bible today. I'm just not going to pray today. I'm not going to pray before I eat this meal. I'm not going to get God's advice on this struggle or this job change or what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to listen to, where I'm going to go. I'm just not going to ask him anymore. And it's private. And even the people that know you best have no idea. But if you backslide enough, those who know you the most intimate, they will notice first. If you're here tonight and you're married, then your spouse knows when you're backsliding. Your children know. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not married. Your parents, if you spend any time around them, they'll know. Then uh, then it becomes more and more obvious. But never forget this. Backsliding, before it's ever seen by anybody outward, it's been going on inward for a long time. Backsliding begins when you become inconsistent in communicating with your Savior. And in time, if left unchecked, can lead to a flat-out denial that you ever even believed in Him. Anybody here know somebody like that? On fire for God! And now, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. Boy, I know people that way. You know what? They do believe in God. They're just so backslidden they want to deny He exists. Backsliding begins when we lose our affection and our first love for our Savior and give our affection to what? Money, fame, and power. Money, fame, and power. You take your eyes off the Lord and you start loving money. What's the Bible tell us in in 1 Timothy? The love of money is what? Root of all evil. Um, The Bible has a lot to say about pride, doesn't it? You know what pride is? It's a power grab. Taking it away from God and others, giving it to myself. Um, You know what fame is? It's refusing to share the spotlight or take the spotlight away from God and put it on ourselves. And backsliding happens when we quit loving God and we start focusing on other things. You know, to love God takes a lot of energy. And we take our energy away from loving God and we start loving money. We start loving uh, that paycheck growing and the bank account growing. And, 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 and maybe you're here tonight and you don't have a lot of money. You can still have a problem with loving money, even if you're dirt poor. Um, backsliding begins when we lose sight of how big God is and how truly little we are. And we decide to reverse those two things. Look how big I am. And we don't say it, but we behave this way. Look how little God is. Now, intellectually, everybody here tonight believes that God is big, right? Anybody want to stand up and say, I don't believe God is big? But sometimes our actions shout, God, I really don't believe you're that big. Backsliding, by its very description... Um, is a Christian who is moving in the wrong direction. I heard a preacher say one time, I don't care where you are. I care about the direction you're going. I don't care where you are. This preacher said that he uh, taught a college and career class at the time. And this was an older college and career class, like 35 and up. And there was a guy who came into his class who had been a drunk for years. And the guy sat down in his class and he said, Preacher, I want to testify. And he said, Go ahead and testify. And he said, I only had two beers this week. And the preacher got a big smile on his face. This was an accomplishment for this gentleman. And he went over and he gave the guy a big hug. He said, I was so proud of him. He said, this guy uh, woke up drinking, went to bed drinking, was drunk all the time, and he cut all the way back to two beers in a week. He said, I was so proud of him. He said, but i got to tell you, if I had walked into a staff meeting the next day and heard somebody say, one of my staff men say, preacher, I only had two beers this week. 
He said, that'd have been a problem. It's really not about where you are, is it? It's the direction you're going. I would rather hang out, spend time with a Christian who is way back here, but heading the right direction fast than hang out with a Christian who has it all together, but is going the wrong direction. Give me a Christian who's trying to make leaps and growing for the Lord. That's a Christian who isn't backsliding. You know, backsliding can and should be scaled. We like to think in terms of black and white, don't we? It's either I am backsliding or I'm not. And if I'm backslidden, I don't go to church or or I don't walk with God. And and, and, and if I am backslidden, then I don't do those things. You know, there is some gray with backsliding. It can be scaled. You can go to church three times a week and still be backslidden. You can have put money in the plate this morning and still be backslidden. You can sit through the sermons and listen to every word and take every note and be intently involved and still be backslidden. You may not be as backslidden as the Christian sitting in a bar tonight or curled up on the couch watching some filthy show on the TV instead of here tonight. You may not be that backslidden, but we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. We're to compare ourselves with where we once were for Christ. And are we advancing forward or are we retreating backwards? God is nowhere near concerned with where you are. He is far more concerned with the direction You are going now. I want to say tonight that a backslidden heart takes many forms and I'm going to get really specific here and then we'll get into the outline. There are plenty of people who are in church faithfully and are as backslidden as the devil himself. They are here out of obligation. Maybe they are here simply out of habit because they've done it their whole life. But they have not and do not come to church with a humble heart. They are a bunch of arrogant know-it-alls who sit on the pew and nitpick everything. They cross their arms and take on the attitude of, try and bless me if you can. They complain about everything and they complain about everyone. They'll say things like, the preaching's too long, or the preaching's too loud, or the singing at that church is amateur at best, or the singing is too loud, or the singing is too soft. There are too many on Sunday mornings. There aren't enough on Wednesday night. They will nitpick and complain about everything. They sing too much, or they don't sing enough, or why don't they sing more hymns at that church, or I'm tired of the hymns, why don't we sing more choruses? And no matter what you do, they're backslidden, complaining heart. They complain and complain and complain. And I would say tonight, folks, complaining is a sin. It's a sin. It's as much of a sin as anything in the Bible is a sin. And complaining is a trademark of being a backslider. You know, I found it really interesting. And this has happened multiple times since I've been here. I have found it super interesting how two people can sit through the exact same church service. And one will look at me and complain. Generally, they don't complain to me. I find out through someone else. And then someone else will come to me with tears in their eyes and say, I have moved so much closer to the Lord today because of this church service. How is it that two people can sit in a church service, one walk away blessed and the other one walk away complaining? How does that happen? How does that happen? One is advancing for the Lord and one is backsliding away from the Lord. Now, listen, I I am self-aware enough to know that not every sermon I preach is a home run. Okay, there are times I get up here and lay an egg. That happens. Probably any church in America you go to, preacher's going to lay an egg sometimes. But is the word of God open and read in every service? Yep. Is every point backed up with scripture? Yep. Can the word of God not touch your heart even when the preacher lays an egg? Yep. It sure can. You may be here tonight and you may not have a very good opinion of me. Probably some folks that wait here tonight. And I understand that. And look, it's hard to get anything from a sermon when you really don't respect the guy behind the pulpit. And you may be here tonight for one reason or another. You don't have a very high opinion of me. Can the word of God still move in your heart? Yes. Should it? Yes. Let the word of God speak to you. I believe that backsliding is a spiritual sickness that attacks the immune system of the Christian. I would call it a spiritual autoimmune disease 
Once this disease, sickness, sets in, boy, it is extremely difficult to get rid of. Thankfully, God's word identifies the symptoms of backsliding and it offers a cure. However, like any other infirmity, you must first admit that you have a problem. Then you must seek out help. Lastly, you must humble your stubborn heart and do as directed in the Bible. To those who are willing to be humble and obedient, God offers you healing for your backslidden heart. We're going to keep it simple tonight. We're going to look at three thoughts as we consider this topic of recovering from backsliding. Before we move on, I want to do this. I want us to take a moment and I want everybody here to bow their head and close their eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord, am I marching forward or backwards? Have God show you. And if you're moving backwards, ask the Lord to help show you tonight what you can do to recover. Lord, help us tonight to be able to see whether we're marching forward with two steps forward and one step backwards or we're going the wrong direction. And Lord, I pray everybody here tonight would find in your word spiritual success. May we be honest and may we be humble. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I move forward, I just want to say this. If something in this church bugs you, I don't expect you just to internalize it and ignore it. Okay? You know you can come talk to me, right? hope you understand that. And if you have a legitimate concern and you voice it with a humble, meek spirit, it will be well received, I promise. There are several of you around the room. Well, no, I'm not going to ask that. There are several of you around the room who have come to me with a concern. And I think that if you've done that, you know that I work very hard to be approachable. And so if you have a concern or something bugs you, you can come talk to me. And if you do it with the right spirit, um, and oftentimes even if you do it with the right spirit, a wrong spirit, uh, it will be uh, well received and, and very much considered. So I want to make sure we get that out there. All right, let's jump into the outline tonight. Let's look at three thoughts here. Number one, the propensity to backslide. Now, that word propensity for our children in the room uh, or those who maybe don't know what the word means, all that word propensity means is we have a bend to do that. We have a desire to do that. It is natural for us to backslide. All right. It, it's like a, a magnetism. What happens if you put a north end of a magnet next to a south end of a magnet? Bloop. They pull together. What happens when you put a Christian anywhere near sin? Well, we have a tendency to go toward that sin, right? It's just how it is. So the propensity to backslide. Now, to be a believer with air going in and out of your lungs is to understand the natural pull of sin and to understand the battle against carnality. You know, my flesh wants to do. It wants to complain. My flesh wants to find fault with others. My flesh wants to be proud. My flesh wants to eat things that are unhealthy. My flesh wants to Lust, my flesh wants to neglect my time with God, and my flesh wants to engage in sinful activities. That's just what my flesh wants to do. Uh, Paul describes it this way in Romans 7, the struggle quite well. He says this from Romans seven nineteen through 24. He says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my member members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Boy, we have a bend toward backsliding. We have a bend toward doing wrong. We find this battle going on within our flesh. I would say on a daily basis, but it's more like an hourly basis. I would say an hourly basis, but it's more like a, a moment by moment basis. And so as a Christian, a Christian becomes a backslider when? When they quit fighting the battle to do What's right? The infirmity of backsliding is well recorded in Scripture. Let's let the Bible tell us what the symptoms are. So let's approach this from a medical standpoint and spiritual medical standpoint. Letter A, notice backsliders 
are stubborn. Backsliders are stubborn. Turn over to Proverbs 14.4. And then after that, we'll go to Jeremiah 8.5. Don't lose your place in Hosea. I believe it may be Proverbs 14.14. If I begin reading and it isn't verse 4, then it's verse 14. And I'm the one that did the slides for the sermon. So I, verse 14, so that's my fault up there. Okay, Proverbs 14.14 says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. You know what that means? The backslider marches to the beat of his own drum. You ever known somebody that way? You have a leader say, hey, everybody, this is how we're going to do it. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. And listen, I understand we all are that way sometimes, but some people are that way most of the time. You know what that is? It's just being stubborn. You're just doing things different for the sake of doing things different. In a family, a family decides that we're all going to go out to eat, and it's always this one person in the family says, I don't want to go there. I want to go over here instead. No, you're just being disagreeable for the sake of being disagreeable. You're just being stubborn. And the Bible says to do this, but we're going to do this over here anyway. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 8, verse number 5. What did God tell Israel? He said, you belong to me. You belong to me. And as you belong to me, I own you and you own me. And you know what titles do? Titles give us the ability to claim ownership. That's why I'm not going to let my children put any titles on any sort of boy-girl relationship when they're teenagers. Because I don't want some pimple-faced 15-year-old boy claiming ownership over my daughter. He doesn't own her. God owns her first, but I own her. You understand? Matthew's not going to claim ownership over some 15, 16 year old old girl. He belongs to, he belongs to us and that girl belongs to her parents and God. And you know what? God came down to Israel with Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob who later became Israel and he said, he said, I am going to be your God and you are going to be my people. You know what he's doing? He was owning them. He was attributing ownership to them. In the New Testament, when he saves you and he puts you as part of his family, he's claiming to own you. And when God owns you and we own rights to him, boy, there are some expectations we put on God and there are some expectations that he puts on us. And in the Old Testament, Israel was considered the bride of Christ. In the New Testament, the church is considered the bride of Christ. And God has some expectations. And when we go flirting with the world and flirting with sin and doing things opposite of what God says, boy, it sure hurts God's feeling. And he labels it as backsliding in part. Look at Jeremiah 8, 5. Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. They won't come back. They just want to chase idols and, and alliances with other people. They refuse to return. Uh, one uh, one uh, uh, way of knowing that you're backslidden tonight is if you are stubborn. You hear something preached in church and you know you struggle with it and you just cross your arms and say, oh, well, oh, well, you read the Bible and something's pointed out with scripture and you go, OK, whatever. Now, I don't think anybody do that outwardly, but do you do it inwardly? Do your actions do that? Backsliders are stubborn. Letter B, backsliders are self-centered, are self-centered. Turn over to Jeremiah three and look at verse number six. And God likens Israel's fooling around with idolatry and false alliances. Uh, he, he likens it to marital adultery. Look at verse 6. Strong language here. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that uh, with, with that which backsliding Israel hath done? She is gone up upon every high mountain and upon every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said, uh, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw uh, uh, when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah 
feared not, but went went and played the harlot also. Do you know why they uh, played the proverbial harlot or spiritually cheated on God? Because they were focused on themselves. Just flat out focused on themselves. They were self-centered. I mentioned this in the introduction, but backsliding happens when I lose perspective of how big God is and how pathetic and puny and tiny I am. You know, that's what worship is. Worship isn't raising your hands in a church. And by the way, I have no problem with anybody raising their hand in church as long as they're doing it for the right reasons and their motives are right. If a song touches your heart and you want to hold up your hand, the Bible talks about the raising up of holy hands. That's not a problem. I would liken raising your hands during a song uh, to saying amen in church. Do it if the Spirit of the Lord is moving you. Don't do it to be seen by men. But um, but but a lot of churches have this idea that I go to church and I raise my hands and I do all this and I walk out the door and I live like the devil. And you know what? Worshiping God isn't some emotion you feel during a song. Worshiping God is when you get alone with God and you fully realize how big and powerful He is and how little and finite you are. And when yet reality hits you, boy, then you can really begin to worship God. You know, when we backslide is when we quit doing that. You walking with God? Are you continually, uh, are you continuing to be reminded of how big He is and how little you are? If you quit doing that, you become self-centered. My feelings, the way I feel, the way I want, uh, what makes me feel good, what makes me better, what gives me more fame, what gives me more power, what gives me more money. And God says, wait, what about you worshiping me? Backsliders are stubborn. Backsliders are self-centered. Backsliders are sanctimonious. And in parentheses here in my notes, I have hypocrites. Again, to those who don't know what sanctimonious means, just write down the word hypocrite. Backsliders are sanctimonious. They think that they're holy, but they're really just playing a game. Look at Jeremiah 3.11. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, says, And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. I won't get into the history here. Some of you may already know it, and that can speak to you. But Israel, the ten northern tribes... They justified their idolatry. They justified their sin. They justified their wickedness. And that's what we begin to do. We justify the way we're living. Number one, we see the propensity toward or to backslide. Number two, notice the path back from backsliding. Okay, so we've looked at the symptoms. And you don't have to have all three symptoms to be a backslider. Generally you will, but you don't have to. Are you stubborn? When was the last time you made a spiritual decision to be a better person? Seriously. That's not just a question I'm asking generically. You. I'm talking to you. When was the last time you made a decision to be better spiritually? Or is this just a cycle? Go to church, go home. Go to church, go home. Nothing really changes. Get up, read my Bible and pray. Go to bed. Nothing changes. Are you self-centered or are you centered on God and others? Um, Are you uh, uh, living the life of somewhat of a hypocrite where you're not really inwardly what everybody thinks you are outwardly? If that's the case, I'm not here to throw stones at you. I'm here to help you see the infirmity of your ways. And I'm here to help you recover the path back from backsliding. Let's turn over to Hosea chapter 14. And we're going to be there the rest of the message tonight. Hosea 14, letter A, notice, you must return unto the Lord. You must return unto the Lord. Now, I could not help but notice the parallels between Hosea 14 and James 4. And I would encourage you to read Hosea 14 and then go study James 4, 6 through about verse 12. And notice all of the parallels here. James 4 is addressed to the Christian and Hosea 14 is addressed to Israel. But they were both given the exact same formula to recover from uh, their adulterous or backsliding ways. By the way, James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Pretty strong words. And we just saw in Jeremiah, who is a contemporary of Hosea, that, uh, that, that Israel and Judah were accused of adultery with God. Look at Hosea 14, 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, 
for thou hast fallen by way of iniquity. What's James 4, 8 say? If you know it, quote it with me. Draw nigh unto God. He shall draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You know what that is? That's saying, God, I used to walk with you and I just don't anymore. My walk with you used to be sweeter and it's just not as sweet as it used to be. Return unto the Lord. Return to the Lord. Let me ask this question. How many of you were saved before the age 10? Would you raise your hand if you're saved before the age 10? Hold them up there for me. All right. Can I tell you something? For those of us here that were saved before the age 10, all you've really known is being saved. Makes it tough. Makes it tough. How many of you here were saved um, uh, into your adult years? Would you raise your hand if you're saved into your adult years? You know what you know? You know what life is without Christ and what it is with Christ. You know that. And you know what it was like when you first got saved. You're madly in love with him. Just growing. It was almost like a romantic love, whether you're a man or a woman. There was just this. There was just this intensity and that 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 fire you had in your bones for God. But somewhere, if you've backslidden, you've drifted away from that. You've drifted away from that. Get back to it. Return to the Lord. Refresh that relationship. You know what? You know how that works? You say, "I, I lost my feelings for God. You get the feelings back when you start doing what you're supposed to do. Read your Bible. Pray. Uh, uh, go to church with a prayed up heart. Listen, I, I heard some advice given to a church member recently, and this is excellent advice. You're not going to be blessed here at church if you come into church with a bad attitude. you just not. If you come in the door, i got to go to church. You're not going to get a thing out of church. Oh, i got to endure another sermon. You're not going to get a thing out of the preaching. i got to sit through another Sunday school lesson. Forget it. Boy, you ought to be praying on your way in or at least a quick prayer under your breath uh, at some point in the beginning of the church service. Lord, show me something tonight that will help me be more like you. Prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. You must return to the Lord. Letter B, you must repent of your sin. You must repent of your sin. Look at Hosea 14.2. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, saying to him, take away all iniquity. And receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Now I'm going to explain that last phrase here in a minute. But look back there. Take away all iniquity. And receive us graciously. You know what Hosea is telling this. And you know the theme of Hosea, right? It's Hosea and Gomer. And Gomer's. He marries a harlot. And then the harlot cheats on him. And he goes and buys her back. Once she's put herself in enough slavery. It's a beautiful story. Um, and God is saying, yeah, Israel, I have to put you away for a little while, but I'm not divorcing you totally. I'm going to I'm going to come back to you. Um, Hosea is telling them, he's saying, if you want to be made right with God. You first have to own up to the way you've been living. You know how this parallels in, in James four. What's verse seven say? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know what it takes to submit? It takes humility. Lord, I was wrong for what I did. I was wrong for my attitude. Now, you may be here tonight and you may not care. You may have such a callous on your heart that the sermons preach and you go, eh, whatever. I just ask you a question. Do you care that you don't care? Does it bother you? That your backslidden heart doesn't bother you. It ought to. It ought to. It ought to bother you that preaching doesn't do anything for you. That the word of God's not changing you anymore. Hey Christian, don't plateau. Don't plateau. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Is that your attitude? Or have you found where you want to be spiritually and you just camped out there? Let's not do that. And if there is sin in your heart, there's active sin in your heart. And by the way, uh, uh, shrugging your shoulders and saying, I'm good where I'm at. That is sin. The rest of the verse of Hosea 14, 2 says, so will we render the calves of our lips. And when I read that, I said, what? That's weird. What a weird phrase. So I thought, well, maybe that word calves means something different. 
So I went back and I looked in the original language. You know what it means? It means a young bull. That's what the word calves there means. So will we render the young bull of our lips? I thought, I've never had a young bull in my lips. You know what that means? That means just like they sacrificed an animal for their sin, I'm going to sacrifice my sin with my words. I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to apologize to God. And I'm going to be sincere in that apology to him. I'm going to offer up myself a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1. You know, um, one thing that has helped me with repenting of my sin has been taking the time to do two things together. This is going to absolutely be something wonderful for somebody here tonight. All right. This may be the only gold nugget you take from the sermon. And if it is, it's a good one. All right. So uh, write these two words down in your outline. Okay. They're the words meditation and confession. Meditation and confession. It is really easy for me to go into my prayer closet and get down on my knees and confess my sin with very little thought. Lord, I'm sorry I said this. I'm sorry I had this attitude. I'm sorry I treated this person this way. I'm sorry I acted the fool in this situation. Uh, I'm sorry I was proud here. I'm sorry I had a bad attitude there. Okay. All done. I confess my sins. You know what's a lot better is if I sit down and I think about what I did. And how much that hurt a person. And if it didn't hurt anybody else directly. How much it could hurt people indirectly if I can continue in it. And then I take time to meditate on how much I have grieved the heart of God. You know what I find is that when I meditate on my sin and my mistakes. Boy, my confession is genuine and real. It's genuine and real. When was the last time that you sat in a quiet room and shut your screen phone off? And shut the TV off and turned the music off and just sat there and thought about your own sin and let it grieve your heart. And then you genuinely apologize to God for your sin. Boy, some of you here have never done that. Can I tell you this? If you'll start doing that, you will begin to hate your sin on a whole nother level. If you're going to heal from backsliding. You've got to legitimately be contrite and repent of your sin. Letter C, notice, you must realign your trust. You must realign your trust. Look at verse 3. Asher shall not save us. Now, when I first read that, I thought Asher was a god. All right. And then I went and looked, and Asher was another name for the nation of Assyria. And so this is talking about their alliance with Assyria. Asher shall, or Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hand. Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. You know what uh, Judah had done uh, here? They had relied on their military alliance with Assyria instead of relying on their relationship with God in heaven. They were relying on their own army instead of God. They were relying on the worshiping of their idols instead of God. Now, uh, to, to make it practical for Christians today, do you trust? Trust the money you have in the bank more than God to get you through a tough time? Do you trust the intellect that you have in your brain more than you do God's intellect and strength and wisdom and power? Are you going through life trusting uh, your life experiences and the wisdom you've gained from that more than the wisdom that is given by God from heaven on a daily basis upon request? Where is your trust? Is it on the material, the physical, or is it on the spiritual and the godly? Or are you getting Getting it from above. You see, if you're backslidden, you don't think in terms of spiritual things. You don't rely on God to get you through a hard time. If you're backslidden, you rely on you. You rely on your experiences. And only when things are at their absolute worst and you've expended every uh, avenue you know to fix a problem, you fall on your knees in desperation and say, God, I can't do it. Please help me. That's a sign of a backslidden heart. Boy, if Christians would just say, God, my trust is in you. Lord, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? 
Who would you have me talk to? How would you have me behave? What would you have me wear? What would you have me listen to? What should I watch? Who should be my friends? Uh, Who should be my influences? Where should I work? Should I change jobs? Should I move across the city or across the country or across the world? Lord, my life is yours to control. I supremely trust you. Boy, if we would have that attitude, we would show God my trust is not in Assyria or some physical thing. My trust is in heaven above. And Hosea is telling Israel, if you will, if you will uh, return unto the Lord, repent of your sin and realign your trust, then God is going to heal you. Number three, notice God's promises to the backslidden. God's promises to the backslidden. Now, if you'll do these things, God is going to heal you. Letter A, notice, I will heal your backsliding. I will heal your backslidings. Look at verse 4. This comes on the heels of if Israel will do those things or Judah will do those things. I will heal their backslidings. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Some of you here tonight are plagued with backsliding. You, you, you've been there a long time. And if that's you, can I tell you, I can totally relate. There have been spans in my life of months and even years where I was really just kind of living a backslidden life. I promise you, I've experienced this. God's grace can heal you from that. He's got to see that you have the right attitude. You see, this comes back to grace that we looked at a few weeks ago. But it isn't about, i got to try harder to be a good Christian. It's about, I've got to abandon my will and let God change me. I've got to let God's grace heal me. It doesn't say, if you'll do these things, you'll heal yourself from backsliding. God says, no, I will heal their backslidings or their backsliding. Look over at Jeremiah 3, verse 22. I said earlier, Hosea and Jeremiah were contemporaries. Hosea lived slightly before Jeremiah. I want to make sure I correct the record on that. Um, Jeremiah was around at the fall of, uh, of, of Judah into Babylonian captivity. Look at Jeremiah 3.22. Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Yet another promise that if you'll return to God, he will heal your backslidings. Kind of reminds me of James 4. I think it's verse 11 or 12. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Boy, once you come to him with a humble heart, he's going to heal you. Letter B, notice, I will love you freely. I will love you freely. Back Hosea 14, 4. I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely for mine anger is turned away from him. Now, I really get two images of God here. I see a God who's wrathful, and I see a God who's who's merciful and gracious. And if you're going to buck and rebel and be stubborn and self-centered and sanctimonious, then you know you're going to get the side of God that is just pure discipline. That's not fun. But once you turn to God, he, He reaches up and He turns the anger spout off. And He turns the the love of grace spout on. It just dumps all over you. And it's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. For some of you, it's been a long time since you've been under the spout where God's love pours out. Let me encourage you, find your way back there and do it tonight. Letter C, lastly, notice, I will grow your spiritual garden. I will grow your spiritual garden. Look at, back at Hosea 14, verse 5. And I could have worked this into the Rooted in Christ series, but I think you'll see... How, as we read through here, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. 
Ephraim shall say, what have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. For me uh, is thy fruit found. Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. And the just shall walk in them. But the transgressor, transgressors shall fall therein. God says you can either dwell under my anger or I can grow you. Like all of these beautiful things in the Bible. But you've got to choose. Do you want to continue to be a backslidden, hard-hearted, stubborn, stiff-necked, hypocritical Christian? Or do you want me to heal you? And do you want to thrive and flourish for the Lord? You know, really, to make this sermon super simple, we all have a free will, right? Your free will is either going to choose... To do it God's way and find success through him. Or to do it your way and find success the way you label it. It was a great day for me when I came to both an emotional and intellectual understanding. That I might as well just submit and do it God's way. Because he has my best interest at heart. Might as well do it his way. If you're backslidden tonight, what are you going to do about it? you at least willing to admit that you're backslidden? Are you at least willing to admit it? It starts there, doesn't it? You can't recover from something until you admit you have a problem with it. Friday, I had a splinter in my eye. Uh, on the backside of my eyelid. Christine De Palma was here for something, and she came running in my office. She's a nurse. She said, you got to go to the urgent care right now. And I said, I'm not going to the urgent care. I'm a stubborn guy, you know. She said, no, you got to go right now. And I said, no woman's going to tell me what to do. I was being, Christine and I have that sort of sarcastic relationship. And so um, she texted Angela Saturday or Friday night and she said, did he go? And I said, no. She said, tell him he's a stubborn man. Saturday morning, I woke up and said, it's time to go to the hospital. I admitted That I couldn't solve this on my own. That I had to have medical help. You can't get help from being backslidden until you're willing to admit that it's bad enough that you need change. So what are you going to do about it? Are you willing to admit it and are you willing to accept God's plan to heal you? Lord, we ask tonight that you'd help us to embrace the truth that's been preached. It's really funny, Lord, how that the sermons you've been having me preach the last several weeks have been hitting me right between the eyes. God, I've needed these sermons as much as anybody, including this one. The truth is deacons can backslide, pastors can backslide, Sunday school teachers can backslide, faithful attendees can backslide. Help us, Lord, to identify when we do it and not try to fix ourselves, but, Lord, to come crawling back to you. Lord, help us to repent of our sin, return to the Lord. Realign our trust, knowing that you will heal us, you will love us, and you will grow us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.